Welcome to Disciple Making Ministries Podcast. This is your host, David Spirik, broadcasting from Kyiv, Ukraine. This is a missionary podcast dedicated to multiplying disciple-making movements internationally. Our vision is to finish the disciple-making movement that Jesus started and passed on to his disciples. Our mission is to engage, to establish, to equip, and to empower believers internationally to start their own disciple-making movements among family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and churches. Our values include being biblical, incarnational, relational, transformational, reproducible, faith-driven, prayer-driven, process-driven, principle-driven, kingdom-driven, and Holy Spirit-driven. Our services arise out of our spiritual gift set of teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, and apostleship. We're glad that you joined our show today and would like to get to know you better, so drop us a note to introduce yourself and let us know from where you're listening. We welcome ideas for future show topics and guest speakers. We're reaching for excellence here, so leave us some feedback on our website at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave us a voicemail message on our telephone line at area code 214-377-1107. You may indicate there if you'd like your voicemail message to be included in a future podcast episode. I'll return in just a few moments with today's main topic. Welcome to another exciting episode of Disciple Making Ministries podcast, where we're dedicated to honoring and promoting the great commission of Jesus Christ. The purpose of our show is to engage, encourage, equip, and empower believers like you for starting your own disciple-making movements among your family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and local churches. Now today we're going to keep our announcement segment short, but I'd like to briefly share what God has been doing this past week in disciple-making ministries. You know, we've been having an impact both here locally in Ukraine as well as internationally. Because of our ministry, there's one more local church that has started to embrace and promote the concept of every church member being personally involved and intentional about starting discipleship relationships. Also, a young couple in another church has been learning how to incorporate discipleship principles into their local church visitor ministry. Also, a small group here in the city has been discovering how God has uniquely designed and gifted them to more fully participate in his redemptive plan. Also, a young businesswoman and former disciple of mine has started her own small group ministry with two of her friends from work. A marketplace evangelist has also started using our evangelistic relational contact chart to help him with his ministry in the outdoor markets. A local English-speaking club is learning how to more effectively build evangelistic bridges with the students that they are reaching. And this week, we started developing a new resource entitled 15 Spiritual Disciplines for Deepening One's Spiritual Life with God. Also this past week, a pastor from Nigeria has written us saying that he has been using our 10 Basic Lessons for New Believers in one of his local church conferences. Two more pastors have written us from India and Liberia asking us to partner with them in discipleship training. 
So now altogether, we have personal invitations from pastors in India, Kenya, Nigeria, Liberia, and Pakistan to come and help them make disciples. All we need to get started is the finances for the airfare and for the visa expenses. Now, we're not asking for salary. We're not asking for living expenses. We're not asking for administrative fees. We just want to be able to get there and to start helping these people make disciples in their countries. Well, I promise to keep this announcement segment short, but I'd like to say a quick prayer for all my disciple makers out there. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the relationships you've brought into our path. I thank you for giving us opportunities to engage, to encourage, to equip, and to empower these people for the work of the ministry that you've called them to. And I pray, Lord, this week that your Holy Spirit would empower them to reach out and make a disciple of someone around them. And I pray that you would bless them in many ways. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. After the break, we'll return for part two in our series in how to build relational bridges for evangelism and discipleship. Stay with us. Now, as we stated in the previous episode, bridges are fascinating and beautiful structures. Bridges can also be very practical and useful structures for bringing together landmasses, roads, resources, and people that otherwise would remain separated and less successful in life. Now, I live here in the city of Kiev, Ukraine, that has a long and fascinating history with famous bridges that connect both the right and left banks of the Dnieper River. The two halves of the capital today are connected by five automobile bridges, together with a few railroad and subway line bridges. Practically, there are just these few structures that connect the three million people of the city together. But there is one bridge that I would like to focus on today that was not mentioned in the previous episode. This is an unfinished bridge that stretches across one channel of the Dnieper River named the Podol Voskresenka Bridge. As I stated in the previous episode, I told you that bridges are very hard to build, but very easy to destroy. Well, this bridge is planned and started way back in 2003 with a targeted finish date of 2008, but it is still not finished today. The purpose of the bridge was to provide another connection across the river for 60,000 automobiles per day, as well as another subway line. In 2008, in the lo local elections, a politician promised to finish this 7-kilometer-long structure before the end of 2010 that would connect the Trieshna and the Padol regions of Kiev. But, as I said, this bridge still stands unfinished, like an eyesore of unfinished rusting metal. Today, the only thing this bridge is really good for is for the teenagers to climb and to take selfie pictures from the top of it. Now, why do I bring up the topic of an unfinished bridge and an eyesore bridge in the city of Kiev? I bring this up because this unfinished bridge represents all the unfinished bridges that you have in your lives. You wanted to share the good news of Jesus with people around you. You greeted them. You learned their names. You engaged them in small talk. You may even have let it slip that you're a follower of Jesus. 
But for whatever reason, you stopped building that bridge into their lives. On the one hand, you feel a little bit successful for getting this far in the bridge building endeavor. But on the other hand, your relational bridge has not yet been completed. And those people have not yet been connected more fully to Jesus Christ or to becoming disciples. How can you get that bridge going again? How can you make that final connection? You're going to have to make more investment. You know, bridges take a lot of hard work and investment. If you do not make more investment into that relationship, that bridge is going to go nowhere. So you're going to need more materials. You're going to need more time. You're going to need more skilled work. We here at Disciple Making Ministries want to help you not only start a relational bridge into someone's life, but we want you also to complete that bridge so that they become more fully connected to Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to share with you some more bridge-building techniques and resources. You know, last time we shared Jesus' nine bridge-building techniques that he used with the Samaritan woman at the well— He was able to bridge many barriers, such as gender, cultural, religious, social, and educational barriers, in just a short amount of time with those techniques. And so today, we're going to look at a different venue. We're going to look at how the Apostle Paul built relational bridges into a large group venue with a somewhat hostile crowd. I think you're going to enjoy this and learn a lot from this episode. So after the break, we'll return with the Apostle Paul's nine relational bridge-building techniques for evangelism and discipleship in large group venues with hostile crowds. Stay with us. Welcome back to our show. In the previous segment, we shared some bridge-building techniques that Jesus used with a particular individual. But you may be thinking, well, that worked with a friendly individual, but how can I build bridges into a larger, less friendly audience? The scripture does not leave us without a witness. In fact, the Apostle Paul modeled some techniques for building bridges into the lives of a less friendly, larger audience. Let's read the story from Acts chapter 17. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times in the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are all also his children. 
Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, or an image formed by the art and the thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to man that all people everywhere should repent, because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We will hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, and among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Now just like the conversation between Jesus and the individual Samaritan woman, also, in this conversation between the Apostle Paul and a large group of people in a public place, I have nine bridge-building technique principles to share with you from this story. Now, the first of nine public venue bridge-building techniques that Paul used was that he used a culturally relevant public communication platform. Just think about it. The Apostle Paul stood in an appropriate designated public location for debate in the Areopagus. Essentially, this was just another platform that was accepted by the culture and the society of their day. You know, to make disciples, you just may have to change the platforms that you're using. The platforms that you previously used may not be as effective as they once were. I personally feel that the traditional Western church cultural platforms are passing away. They're becoming less and less effective over time. What do I mean by a traditional Western church platform? Oh, I mean basically that churches think they have to have expensive buildings in order to do ministry. Or churches with paid clergy and passive laity or churches with entertainment programs without spiritual transformation, or churches that lean towards logic-driven programmed content rather than Holy Spirit-driven impact. The younger generation is simply moving away from these traditional religious cultural settings because they see them as irrelevant and powerless in today's societal needs. So to reach more people for Christ and to make more disciples, you may just have to change your platforms. It should not be a surprise that you have to change platforms, because everything that you use is always changing platforms. For example, just think of your electronic computer equipment. How many times over the past 10 years have you changed your cell phone, your computer, and many other pieces of equipment? How many times has the software updated and changed platforms in these devices? So it is in the spiritual world. We're going to have to change the platforms in order to reach more people for Christ. But you know what? Many of you don't realize the platforms that you already have for evangelism and discipleship. Did you know that you have the platform of family you can make disciples with your own family, with your neighbors, with your children's friends. Did you know that you have the platform of your neighborhood in which you live? It would be natural for you to invite your neighbors over for dinner in order to build a bridge into their lives. 
Did you know that you have the platform of your acquaintances at work? You already know them. All you have to do is do some bridge building into their lives in order to have that special moment to share the good news of Christ, the hope of the salvation that you have in your life. Did you know you already have acquaintances at school? And you can find ways to multiply ministries through school, through church, through hobbies, through your abilities, through your talents. There are all kinds of platforms available for you to do ministry through if you would just open your spiritual eyes and ears and look for those platforms around you. Yes, successful public bridge builders are willing to change platforms or to find existing platforms that will reach or bridge into the audiences around them. Now, a second large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle Paul used was that he remained observant of the culture and religious setting of society. In fact, it says it right in the text. The Apostle Paul addressed men of Athens saying, I observe that you are very religious. The Apostle Paul observed the many objects of worship and the statues and the idols that were all around the area there in Athens. He was very careful and he observed and singled out one of those idols that was inscribed on it, quote, to an unknown God. And Paul built his entire public speech around that bridge of the quotation on that idol. Paul also observed that the men of Athens emphasized heavily the value of knowledge and wisdom. In fact, those men in Athens thought that they were all wise and all-knowing. So the Apostle Paul built these cultural bridges into the lives of these people to bridge their weak and finite humanity over to the infinite and omnipotent power of God. In fact, Paul made even a deeper bridge into their life by naming them as children of God. So, if you want to be successful in bridge building in large venue settings, I give you this advice. Be like the Apostle Paul and remain observant with your eyes and with your ears. Look at the culture. Look at the patterns. Look at how people behave. Look at what they value. And you will become more successful at bridge building into the lives of those in society around you. And now a third large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle Paul used was that he used a rhetorical device to capture the attention of his audience quickly. In fact, the Apostle Paul was a master of gathering attention and pointing it back to the gospel. He started his speech with a shocking confrontational statement. The Apostle Paul said, What you people worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. In other words, those people of Athens who thought they were all-knowing and all-wise and all-special and super-religious, the Apostle Paul quickly turned the tables on them in saying that they were ignorant and spiritually far away from God. You know, sometimes the easiest way to attract attention is to say something opposite of what the people around you actually value and believe. These men of Athens had all these gods 
but they had failed at one thing, to know the true one creator God, creator of heaven and earth. So by that one statement, the Apostle Paul quickly grabbed the attention of the entire audience. So the principle is that successful public bridge builders will capture the attention of their audiences. And now a fourth large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle used was that after he captured their attention, he pounded into them spiritual truth. The Apostle Paul loved them so much that not only did he want to grab their attention, and not only did he want to build a relationship with them, but he also loved them so much that he wanted to rescue them from the spiritual darkness and bondages that they had found themselves in. Paul taught them these truths. The Creator God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. The Creator God does not need people to serve Him. The Creator God gave humanity all their life, breath, and everything that they have, not the other way around. And the Creator God desires a relationship with humanity, like a father has a relationship with his children. The Creator God declares that men everywhere need to repent. The Creator God has fixed a day of judgment in righteousness. And the Creator God confirmed all this truth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul had built bridges of truth into the lives of the people, not compromise. Successful, public, large venue bridge builders of the gospel of the kingdom of God are going to communicate spiritual truth into the lives of their audience. And now a fifth large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle Paul used was that he was non-discriminatory and he was cross-cultural. He was a teacher of universal spiritual truth. Now this is really a fascinating point that the Apostle Paul did not single out any particular individual or any particular culture or an ethnic group. But instead, the Apostle Paul placed all humanity, cultures, ethnic groups, statuses under the same situation. The Apostle Paul said that God had made all nations from one man. The Apostle Paul said that God had determined all of mankind's appointed boundaries and their assignments. The Apostle Paul said that Mankind was in darkness, seeking after and groping for God. And the Apostle Paul said that even though God is far superior to mankind in every single way, that God was also close to those and wanted to be like a father was to his children. And the Apostle Paul said that God calls all mankind unto repentance. All these inclusive, non-discriminatory, cross-cultural, universal, spiritual truths remind you of this verse. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So successful, large venue, public, bridge builders speak universal truth into the lives of their large group audiences without discrimination, crossing cultures, That's an amazing principle. 
And now a sixth large venue bridge building principle that the Apostle Paul used was that he even connected contemporary literature to spiritual truth in illustrative ways. In the very beginning, the Apostle Paul used the illustration of an inscription on an idol to an unknown god. Now, everyone who had walked through the pantheon of idol statues there in Athens had probably read that one quote. And so this was a natural bridge build into their lives. Second, Paul used a quote from some of their own famous poets. For in God we live and move and exist. And the phrase, for we are also God's children. The Apostle Paul was actually quoting from Epimenides, the Cretan poet, and from Aratus, the poet from Cilicia. So using these bridge-building techniques of quotes from the modern poets of the day, the Apostle Paul revealed the evident conclusion that since humans were created by God, God could not, could never inhabit an idol statue created by mankind. The implication of this conclusion is that God is not about religion at all, but rather about relationship. So it's amazing how you can use contemporary illustrations, quotes, sayings, stories, in order to bridge the truth of God into the lives of people in society around you in a large group venue. Successful public bridge builders in large venues use contemporary literature and illustrations to prove the spiritual truth. Now, a seventh large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle Paul used was that he always led sinners towards repentance, faith, and salvation in Jesus Christ through his resurrection. The Apostle Paul said phrases like this, God is now declaring to all mankind that they should repent. God has fixed a day of judgment in righteousness. God has appointed one, Jesus Christ, who will judge the world. God has furnished proof of Jesus' authority by raising him from the dead. You see, not only did Paul capture the attention of the crowd, not only did he speak truth into the situation, not only did he use contemporary literature and illustrations to illustrate spiritual truth, but the Apostle Paul also had a goal in mind, and that goal was true repentance, faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Kind of reminds you of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Successful large venue bridge builders will always lead people towards repentance and faith in Jesus. 
Now, an eighth large venue bridge-building technique that the Apostle Paul used was that he did not compromise the gospel of Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul had the redemptive motivational gift of exhorter. And this type of person with this gift usually wants to build relationships and sometimes finds themselves compromising truth for the sake of keeping the relationship going. But the Apostle Paul did not operate like that. He used his exhorter, redemptive, motivational gift in mature ways. The Apostle Paul had a big vision for reaching the world. The Apostle Paul bridged the social, racial, and religious barriers of his day. The Apostle Paul was a master communicator of truth in front of large crowds. The Apostle Paul was a master reconciler or ambassador of Christ, bringing people back to God. The Apostle Paul worked hard and was intensely busy with his ministry. The Apostle Paul shared his faith throughout many hardships, persevering and overcoming until the end. But one of the greatest characteristics of the Apostle Paul is that he never compromised the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard the message of the resurrection from the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, we shall hear you more concerning this. So the point is that successful, spiritual, large venue, public bridge builders will not compromise the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they will stay focused on the message. And now the ninth and the last large venue bridge building technique that the Apostle Paul used, that I came up with anyway, is that the Apostle Paul understood clearly when he needed to depart from that platform and continue working with individuals in smaller groups. You know, timing of ministry is so very important. I think I shared with you in an earlier episode that trying to start a ministry in Ukraine during the summer is practically impossible, in the city, that is. So you usually have to start ministries in the perfect timing of the fall semester or the spring semester, when the people are ready to receive the message and when the timing is right. Well, the Apostle Paul had learned the value of knowing when to make an entrance and when to make an exit. The Apostle Paul heard the cultural clue of the sneering and quickly found an exit. And he took those who were still interested with him and worked with them in small groups and one-on-one. So Paul left the platform, but Dionysus and Damaris went with him and Paul worked with them as disciples. Yes, successful spiritual public bridge builders in large venues understand the perfect timing, when to enter and when to exit their evangelistic and discipleship platforms. You know, I am 100% convinced that if you will follow these nine bridge building techniques that the Apostle Paul used in a large venue to a hostile public audience, then you will have great success in your large group venue ministries. Now let me conclude this segment with this statement. Just as Jesus Christ was the bridge or the mediator between God and man, 
So you are called to be the bridge builder between Jesus and others around you. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You are bridge builders. You are reconcilers. You are ambassadors for Christ. Now after the break, we'll return to give you a few more resources for building effective bridges into the lives of others. Stay with us. Now, if you were to take my Disciple Makers training seminar, then you would learn all kinds of bridge building techniques into the lives of people. You would learn things like how to make initial contact with people, how to become better acquainted with them, how to begin to serve and meet their practical needs, how to deepen a trust relationship with them, how to begin to share your Christian faith in more natural ways, how to invite them to Christian community events, how to give them clear explanations and presentations of the gospel, and how to give them an invitation to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. If you were to attend my Disciple Makers training seminar, you would also learn a lot of bridge questions, such as these. Have you ever known someone who was perfect? In your opinion, what should a real Christian look like? Do you find forgiveness of yourself or others difficult? If you died today, what would happen? What does it mean to be a real friend? Who do you think is the most famous person of all time? What brings you personal joy or hope in life? If you were to take my Disciple Makers training seminar, you would also learn some bridge scriptures to use, such as the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, Jesus being the Word of God in flesh from John chapter 1, Nicodemus receiving new spiritual birth in John 3, the Samaritan woman quenching her spiritual thirst, John chapter 4, Jesus being the bread of life in John chapter 6. And if you were to take my Disciple Makers training seminar, you would also learn several methods of sharing the gospel with someone clearly. You would learn the bad news, good news presentation. You would learn a simple picture evangelism illustration. So I encourage you out there to go to my website, www.disciplemakingministries.org, and sign up for an online Disciple Makers training seminar. You can even attend this conference from the comfort of your own home using online video conferencing platforms. So I'll leave you today with Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I'll rephrase that. How beautiful are the workers who build bridges into the lives of others around them. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining our show today. If you have a question about the topic, if you have comments or any feedback, if you have any ideas for future topics or guest speakers, if you'd like to download our free online discipleship curriculum, if you'd like to join our social networking group on Facebook, if you'd like to sign up for our next disciple-making webinar, if you'd like to become a patron, sponsor, crowdfunder, or volunteer to help us reach our goal, then start a dialogue with us at www.disciplemakingministries.org or leave a message at area code 214-377-1107. We also appreciate positive reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean, as well as sharing the news about our podcast with your family and friends. Join us next week for another engaging episode. This is your host, David Spirik, signing off from Kiev, Ukraine.